When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Shall I go first? Sure. So uh, we'll just follow up with this Russia-Ukraine thing. I don't know what's going on over there, but I have been watching uh, some of the headlines in the news, and I think a couple things are interesting, piggybacking on what we've talked about in the past. There's a lot of the demoting of Russian state media stuff on social media sites. So I think Facebook has started to demote it in their algorithm. Twitter is saying this is Russian state propaganda. Uh Reddit has quarantined the Russia subreddit due to misinformation. And this one I actually don't put in the same category, uh, but Netflix is no longer streaming these sorts of like Russian channels. And it is uh, the editorial power, and we've talked about this in the past, that these, that these uh, companies are expressing while not being liable for uh, DMCA kind of stuff, uh, suits, for the things that some of their users post, to me, remains and has been a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we just see them exerting tremendous amounts of power over what's propaganda, what's not. You know, the fact the fact checkers that they have obviously come from a place which is America with a value system which is ours. If you had Russian fact checkers, they would find very different facts on the ground. And interestingly enough, the penalty. I don't know if you saw that there was that little clip that was going around about Snake Island. If you saw that there were these. Ukrainian, uh, I guess, service people on, uh, I believe it was a military base. I don't know if it was a military base. It was at this island. And there was a Russian uh, military attache that was coming at them, and they said, surrender, and they said, go fuck yourselves. Mm -hmm. And the story that was out for several days, which was repeated by the president of Ukraine, was that they died heroically. Turns out that it's likely, or as of right now, that they did not die and were, in fact, captured which is a very different story. One is like, you know, martyrdom and we have to fight Russia. And the other is uh, the Russians got to call to fuck yourself and still showed some restraint and took these people uh, captive. I think that that is, if this is the case, that well, is certainly misinformation, certainly mm-hmm. untrue, and would constitute propaganda, which no one will be checked for, suffer for, or have their Twitter account dinged for and yeah there is also though like pretty obvious propaganda unless people just haven't uncovered the concentration camps in the ukraine which is that putin's saying that he's doing this because nazis have taken over ukraine and he's doing that because there's still a lot of anti we could reason anti-nazi sentiment in Mm -hmm. russia because of world war ii so he's saying ukraine is run by nazis and their own citizens want to be liberated and so then you have soldiers live in Russia and get Russian news and therefore Russian propaganda going in thinking that they're going to get applauded by Ukrainian soldiers. So there, there is legitimate propaganda occurring as well. Uh, that, but that's what I'm saying. There's propaganda everywhere. And I'm not saying that it's in the same amount or the same uh, material outcome in the world, but it's what we talked about. If you set the speed limit at 25 miles an hour on the highway mm-hmm. and then have a body that enforces who speeds, what you effectively have is a body that decides who's right and who's yeah, yeah. wrong. And the, just, just the idea well, that there is propaganda um, being that, that is being policed as opposed to propaganda tilting in one direction that is being policed, which I think is just important to recognize. Yeah. I'm not if saying anyone that, goes and watches the Chris Monk Man Breakdown John Stewart, they'll see that John Stewart does make a good point, which is that he was at one point the misinformation when he was saying that he didn't think Iraq had WMDs. He said that the evidence wasn't compelling New York Times was writing all about how it was. The U.S. government was saying that there definitely were. And he was just saying, this doesn't hold up when I talk to experts that aren't on the payroll. Mm -hmm. And so his point is, we want, truly all of us want genuine misinformation censored if we had omniscience. That's, I think, undisputable. But the problem is who gets to call what misinformation because he was called misinformation and he was right Mm -hmm. and he got ignored. And so tons of people had to die in a war that didn't have to happen. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, that's the danger, is basically you don't know 
what's misinformation and what's not. Well, I'm, I'm for, I think anybody should be able to call anything they want misinformation. You're like, I, I guess I'm just for, I think, and I know that it has serious negative consequences, a freer exchange of bullshit ideas out there. And I'm, I guess I'm for a muddying the, of the waters when I have to think this through, because I know that it creates a lot of problems, instead of a body of unelected fact-checkers controlling what is believed to be true and therefore the direction of action that that the world takes, Um, even though I accept that I would much, I think, much rather live in a world governed by Twitter fact-checkers than Vladimir Putin, is my guess. Yeah, for sure. I think I'd be much happier in This is something I wanted to bring up, just because you reminded me, you said, you know, the the Russian, Russia, you said, showed restraint by taking those people captive. Mm-hmm. I think it's a error people are making to call Russia an entity. There's mm-hmm. Vladimir Putin, who I think everybody is kind of on board with, is a dictator. His own people seem terrified of him. There's that public... I don't, I don't actually even know, and I would hesitate. Like I know that there probably are many people who are afraid of him. I think you could argue because of the state-controlled media, but I think he's quite popular in in terms of inside of Russia, maybe not with this particular move. I don't know, but I think that you can, from an outsider, say, so for instance, there was, children were bombed during this in, uh, invasion of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. That's an evil act. Civilian people were bombed. They weren't soldiers, right? Though the people that did that bombing are not the same people that maybe showed restraint and spared those Ukrainians on that island. And I think it's that's the thing is people are saying like oh russia is this and russia is that it's like putin can be one thing and his soldiers can be another putin can be a total scumbag and his soldiers can be 18 year olds who have been propagandized who walk into ukraine thinking that it's they're going to be cheered and then there's other people who who knows what's true because i'm on the other side of the world allegedly don't like the cause but you can't desert in russia because there's a heavy penalty so they just allow themselves to become pow's they just show up at police stations saying can you just capture me because i don't want to fight so that person is obviously very different than Putin, who's very different than the person that bombed 16 children. And here's the other complicating factor. The guy who turns himself in and the guy who bombed 16 children can be the same guy at different times of his life. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's going to happen, that somebody's going to do something bad and then say, take, take me. You know, I'm a, I don't want to do this anymore. So yeah, the, uh, the nature of identity all the way down to the individual is very sticky. And how do you punish or holds things, nations, peoples accountable is tricky for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I just think about it in terms of, I go, I reverse it. I go, do I think that there were people who were evil that started the Iraq war for their own monetary gain? Yes. I think people, people made unethical decisions to start that war. Do I think every boot on the ground was evil? No, absolutely not. I think they thought they were doing the right thing because they bought into defending freedom or defending their country or whatever. And so I just see the same thing of like Russia as if it's with regards to Iraq, the and same, I, and it's like no, there can be evil leaders and evil, even evil individual soldiers, and also like not everybody that's involved in this has the same facts. A lot of these are just kids who have been eating up mm-hmm. whatever Russia told them about Ukraine. They actually think there's Nazis there, and they think that they're doing a good thing, and they don't know, they don't have the same facts set that someone else has. Mm-hmm. With regards, I mean, because I think it would potentially say something about Russia. My impression of whoever the architects of the war in Iraq, and this is not from knowing them or anything about that, but from seeing people do immoral things in my own life, mm-hmm. is that they're not Montgomery Burns going, excellent, like sitting in their thing, like counting their dollars. What they are is in people who know at some level that they benefit from a course of action mm-hmm. and whose brain then kicks in and is selective with its reasoning to find... Uh, we're not sure that they don't have WMDs here. Or, well, or, you know, even if they don't have WMDs, he is a bad guy. That's, I think it's that. And I actually yeah. think that I saw something interesting that I really liked. Jordan Peterson was interviewing someone who said that you can tell someone's an extremist when they think that it is worth being dishonest because the ends justifies the means. And I think, forget the extremist part, but like the idea, I think what happened with Iraq was someone benefited, but I don't think very few people, see. no one sees themselves as evil. So they go, how do I subconsciously justify this and go, well, even if we, I think they have WMDs, but even if they don't, Iraq's better off without that person. So I'll lie and say, I'm certain they have the WMDs. Mm -hmm. And I would just argue that the world is better off if you go, 
we think he has WMDs, but he might not. And we actually have pretty shitty intel on that. But either way, he's a bad guy. And let people make their decision based on the full information. And when you don't do that, when you hide or lie because you think you're on the side of the right, that's when evil can occur. Sure. But I mean, I actually, I saw that same thing and I, I immediately thought of Nazis knocking on your door to ask if Anne Frank's in the attic. Like, is that an extremist who says, no, she's not upstairs? I don't, I think. Yeah, but your life, someone's life isn't on the line when you're. When now, you're we're, now we're adding to Jordan's original criteria to what he said was you can tell an extremist when they lie to justify a course of action. Um, and now we're adding additional things to that, which, which I was explicitly not in, in that original formulation. Um, and yeah, I think my sense of what he was saying is that if you want to stick by what he said, you might get the good in some non-human sense, which is like, yeah, the earth might go to hell and people might suffer, but like truth is good and therefore it's worth it. And yes, that can lead to the extinction of the human race. I don't know. I just imagine a, some guy, some crazy, um, North Korean dictator has his hand on the nuclear thing and he's about to just shoot nukes out in the world. Except if you lie to him and tell him that his sister wants to talk to him outside so you can club him in the head and, and stop him, you know, like for human means and for human understandings of good in the short term, certainly lies can be justified. It's just perhaps in that cosmic sense of good or truth that. Well, and I guess it depends where you start. Cause if you're, Yes, if you start in that instant, but if you had started 100 years ago, you probably wouldn't have that guy being the leader with his hand on the nuclear bomb. If you take a super long-term view and everybody tells the truth all the time, it's awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but what I think starts happening in the short term is, like we've talked about how lies are debt, I think, at least on the main channel. I've talked lies are sort of a, uh, a form of relationship debt where you say, I'm going to enjoy this moment right, right now mm -hmm. in exchange for having to pay this back later. And what you kind of do when you continue to tell lies, you just roll the debt back. Well, yeah, my, I mean, again, I'm not an expert. My impression is that's what hap that's what's happening in Russia is that everybody just, no one ever told Putin no or that he had a bad idea. Mm -hmm. And so now we're dealing with, nobody told him it was a bad idea to invade Ukraine and that he shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Potentially, yeah. And, and I, I really, in terms of what is happening, I, I want to state clearly that I have no idea. And that's if there's anything that I feel is that I just wish more people felt like that. I got into a little bit. I love arguing with my parents about this. And, you know, my my sense was all these people have opinions about Russia and Ukraine that could not have found Ukraine on a map three days ago. Mm -hmm. You know, they couldn't have named a single city in Ukraine. They might have known Moscow. Uh, and now they think Zelensky good, Putin bad, you know, all of all of these opinions as opposed to what is interesting and i found myself doing the same thing focusing on locuses of control with clear helpful and unhelpful things in their own life such as and i, I yelled at my parents i said for years thanksgiving i've been eating salmon and you guys have been eating turkey you've never been interested in uh why i don't eat animals you've not asked i've uh once or twice told you the thing and you have i think we all have uh, use this stuff going on out there to busy and distract ourselves to avoid focusing on the real sacrifices we could make to be helpful actually in our own lives. The book, the book that I had read by a uh, last psychiatrist has an interesting theory, which I don't know is true, but I felt it in myself is in positions where people are powerless, they seek knowledge. And so I kind of found myself this week more than ever reading the news because I had this vague fear of World War III and losing things. And so to compensate for the fact that I am utterly powerless <laughs> over if that happens, I wanted to know about the 40-mile-long convoy outside of Kiev. <laughs> I was like Googling shit. Yeah. And I just saw myself, yeah, compensating for my, my well, total lack of power. Yeah, and I also think it circles back to, is there value in performative virtue? Mm -hmm. So, so and by that, I mean there is a... A type of virtue where you actually help, where you donate charity, or in the case of Ukraine, a government sends supplies or medical aid or troops or something of that nature. That's having an impact on the world. And I, I saw a video everybody was really hyped about where a Russian uh, foreign leader is trying to give a speech to a group of people from, I forget if it's the UN or the EU, and 120 diplomats get up and leave the room 
And I was uh, interested in the fact that everybody's applauding that. It's like, what a great show of unity with Ukraine because it doesn't help <laughs> Ukraine. And so I was just wondering, is that helpful? And am I missing something to show how united we all are rallying behind Ukraine if it doesn't come with supplies, medical aid, troops, something that helps on the ground? Mm -hmm. And my maybe I'm wrong. My instinct is like, no, this is for show. Well, I think the idea of the performative stuff, which is propaganda, is that it motivates actual behavior that does count. And I think in the aggregate, mostly with the help of the news, who reported everything from that to somebody, some international Taekwondo thing, revoking Putin's black belt. Like, who gives a damn? Mm -hmm. But I think, I think the aim, unconsciously and not coordinatedly, but certainly it's summing up to this, is to create just this wave of we're winning, he's bad. Mm -hmm. And I actually think the big propaganda that is important, and Donald Trump understood this, is that you have to make the fight seem like you're winning or at least that it's winnable. And I know that at the beginning, it was like the popular consensus was they're going to roll through them, it's going to be no problem. And so I think a lot of the initial stuff is everybody's on our side, it's going really well, we, need, we do need help, but, but uh, we're well, going this, to win. This isn't a critique, this is a genuine question that I have and I have had in the past. When we were, there was the protests against police brutality mm -hmm. in LA, I saw people show up to a rally, take a photo, post it on Instagram and leave. They didn't do anything. They didn't sign any petitions to make change. They sure. didn't circle back to it ever after that day. And it's very performative, but I was, I'm, I guess I'm asking like, is there any value to that, that they're trying to convince people that they care about this issue and therefore anyone who follows them is, I guess, being re-exposed to the idea, is that valuable? Or is it really just like, no, you have to go donate to lawyers that are going to help change the laws or you have to do, do something that changes the world beyond perception? I don't know, but that's what, that's what that reminded me of when everybody walked yeah. out. I was like, oh, this, is, this reminds me exactly of the people who took photos, the Instagram <laughs> yeah. photo and then just bounced, didn't even stay at the protest for more than 20 minutes. I, I think it comes, the question that I would ask is not, is this valuable? Maybe it is. It's what's the opportunity cost, right? You're going to fill your time and your thoughts and your actions doing something. What are you not doing with this time and action? So, you know, take the Instagram person, like all of the things that you said. So I don't, is it useful insofar as it moves the needle and motivates someone somewhere to do something that counts? Yes. Is that the best use of your time or anywhere near the best use yeah. of your time in order to help people in the world? Absolutely not. No, and I think that, I think it's probably better that the diplomats left than that they sat there and listened. But it just was interesting to me to see everybody saying it's so great to see the world rally around Ukraine. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, let's get a list of the countries that are sending something to Ukraine. Like that's who's rallying around Ukraine. Mm -hmm. But I th and then I thought maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's great value in the world seeing a diplomat leave a room and then having their country do nothing to, to actually mm -hmm. help the war front. I don't know. This is something I'm thinking about. It is also like... There are people in the world, Elon Musk is up there, Putin certainly at the very, very top of the list that have just a tremendous power. Mm -hmm. Elon Musk said, we're going to try to get you internet and 48 hours later, convoys with fucking internet terminals show up. Now, I'm not saying that the entire country is going to be turned on because of Starlink, but uh, just crazy that there are some individuals like Putin with such insane power to affect the lives of other people mm -hmm. on a whim. I don't have any takeaway other than that's not me. <laughs> I, can't, yeah, yeah. I, I can't do that. I'm, yeah, Elon's crazy. I mean, I know everybody hates him because he's a billionaire and that makes him evil, but it was it's just, it is interesting to watch him. He trying to get internet to the Ukraine. I guess at one point people were saying if this, you know, Putin could threaten the International Space Station and uh, Elon just said, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, I got you. Like, I'll just keep it operating. SpaceX will take care of it. <laughs> it is fascinating how he just... His power, which everybody hates him for, does allow him to make a massive impact that I think is positive in the case of this current Ukraine situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, winding this down, just the, the, the thought that I'd written, which I would say is that the feeling of receiving truth and receiving propaganda is exactly the same, mm -hmm. right? It, it feels like you know what's happening in the world. And that's... We talked about this with the two tracks of whether you're, uh, you have 
uh, a partner that is going to be wonderful and a partner that is going to destroy your life. It, they look exactly the same from the inside. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my point with this prop with the, all the propaganda stuff. And when I hear people use the word propaganda so about them, the other side, the Russian controlled state media with no reflection, I I am aware that their process of finding propaganda is going to make them sheep in some situations, mm-hmm. meaning like you will Here's how you know it's propaganda. You listen to everything that's being said loudly into your ears, and you assume that the stuff that you're being told is true. That's like... Well, I do think certain cultures and countries are set up to be more vulnerable to propaganda. What I mean by that is like North Korea, where it's very hard to get any information from outside of North Korea, Mm -hmm. is probably going to be more vulnerable to propaganda that is far from accurate compared to a country where you are getting information that is from your country, but also other countries and where there's people traveling across the borders. Mm-hmm. And so if you, it'd be really hard for the U S to convince you that France is full of monsters and there's no humans there yeah. and it's giant spiders. And then a person comes over from France and goes, well, I'm from France. We have people there. Mm-hmm. So I do think, and like North Korea is the most extreme example. I think Russia and China are on the further extreme. And I think the U S is less so, which isn't to say we, don't get propaganda. We absolutely do, but not all propaganda is created equal and not every country is the same in terms of their ability to access information outside of their country and their government's approved information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what you said is kind of why I'm disturbed with any sort of censorship, which is like how, okay, if propaganda feels the same as truth, Mm -hmm. what's a, what's a process by which you can distinguish that? And it's like, free the freer and more open the information is now a problem that comes with that is that it makes it very easy for people to muddy the waters confuse things and disinformation can become an issue but it's the only way to deal with propaganda and truth looking the same is to full faith in your government (laughs) and the powerful institutions therein yes also i want to say a quick note Apparently, people don't know when I'm being sarcastic. I saw some comments that <laughs> took very literally some things I said sarcastically. So just as a good rule of thumb, if you hear me say something and you disagree with it strongly, <laughs> you just assume it's a, a sarcasm, it's a even sarc- if it's not. That's what we'll say. So if you have a violent reaction to something I say, it's sarcasm. If you agree with me, I was being genuine. Now you we'll know. go with that rule just so that that can clear us from confusion. I saw a comment. <laughs> I was like, what? It was about when I said... Uh, you know, it's because NATO are the good guys. Mm. People were like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm literally laughing as I say <laughs> yeah, yeah. this. But I guess, you know, some people we have, are- To be fair, we have uh, shared history. And one of the running jokes that we have is uh, a friend of ours had watched American Sniper and, talk, and talked about how amazing it was and how he had all these kills. And we're like, yeah, but like, bro, he was in some other person's country shooting people. Like, this would be like a British soldier in America- during the Revolutionary War or whatever, racking up a ton of kills. And it's not an identical analogy, but you get the point. He's over there. And he's like, yeah, but he was killing bad guys. <laughs> and so that's that's just a shared understanding that you and I have when well, we use the word good guys and bad guys. It's also, it's also a global platform. Like, obviously, it's going to be hard to detect humor if you're listening to this and you're not a native English speaker, mm-hmm. which I think could be the case. Maybe. So what I'm saying is if you ever disagree, sarcasm. If you agree with me, genuine. Very easy rule of thumb going forward. Beautiful. Um, this is something that I thought in terms of... Uh, there was the, I know that it's not 100% true because I'm sure that there's uh, exceptions being made all across the board, but that there was at some point a, a blanket men in Ukraine from the ages of 18 to 60 are, are not allowed to leave the, leave the country. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that many, many did. Uh, but what I, I think that what is often forgotten when we discuss male privilege is the places that it does not exist and where it in fact cuts the other way. And I, I don't think that, I think your privilege for any class that you're in is going to be totally context dependent. Uh, and we have being in peacetime and not having had anyone in the selective services in America drawn up since Vietnam, which is, by the way, only men who are uh, above 18 have forgotten some of the contexts where it sucks to be a guy. (laughs) And that's not to say that it is net harder or net less hard than it is to be a girl, but certainly uh, I, when we talk about equality, I don't see anyone advocating that people ages 18 to 60 not leave Ukraine. No, surely the, I think the people who are advocating for equal rights probably want 
both genders drafted at the same numbers yes, in yes. World War Three. And this is my thing. So oftentimes what has happened is that sarcasm. the in-group, the in, <laughs> in whoever it is, is very aware of the uh, places that that they are below the average mm-hmm. line. You know what I mean? We don't make as much. We don't this. We don't that. They are blissfully unaware of the places where they receive advantage. And well, that, that is one of the points, I think, of a lot of people who talk about privileges that you don't see it, which, again— is not used self-reflectively yeah. <laughs> to find like the places. I actually think there's I think there's one area where that's not the case, and it's the one that people talk about the least, with the exception of billionaires, I guess, which is wealth. Wealthy people do have their own problems, and I'm sure there are mm-hmm. uniquely only wealthy people have to deal with. But on the whole, I think that that is where most of the time things are going your way. And when, when the world tries to divide, like, oh, it's not fair to be a man or it's not fair to be a woman or it's not fair to be a certain race or whatever that is, I often feel like what they're missing is this is the socioeconomic is the worst. When you talk about it with, with police brutality and things like that with race or whatever, it's like, no, it's when you're driving a Maserati, that's when you're the safest from police violence. This is what I was referring to when I said, I'm sure some people are getting out between 18 and 60. Like certainly the rich guys are. <laughs> yeah. No, and dude, I, I no had question. a, I had a guy in college that I knew who was Russian, I think, who was supposed to be serving in the army, but his dad was insanely wealthy. And so he paid someone to take his identity over and serve in the army for him while he came to the U S to go to college. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's privilege. <laughs> and I think, I think this, you know, this like, oh, it's male privilege, it's female privilege, it's white privilege, it's black privilege. It's like, no, there's the biggest area of privilege is, is wealth. And it's when you deviate from that in terms of what you're talking about, I think sometimes you miss the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's some areas where that privilege and is earned, justified, and we don't want to level it. Not necessarily with who gets to leave the country in a time of war, but there's, there's definitely going to be some areas where like, we talked about Elon having a tremendous amount of power. Uh, he, you can argue about how much, but certainly when it comes to steering the decisions of his companies, is uniquely positioned to do that because he has won in so many capitalist games. And, you know, I think by providing value to his customers and, and organizing organizations such that they are capable of doing that at scale. So when he's, he makes a decision that says, let's build a flamethrower, let's send some terminals to Ukraine, he gets to do that because he's got a track record of success in in steering these organizations. Oh, yeah. My, sorry, that wasn't to say that wealthy people are bad. It was mostly when people talk about specifically government programs that are supposed to help people. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, we should help. We should only help LGBTQ people. We should only help Women, people yeah. of a certain race. We should only help people. And I go, why don't you just help people who need help mm-hmm. because of their financial situation? Mm-hmm. And don't help people who fit that demographic but are very well off because yeah. they're good. I think yours closes in, I agree with you, obviously, closes in more tightly on the problem. But then, of course, when you help people that don't have money, it's, well, why don't they have money? And if there are people that uh, have had opportunities and use them poorly. Or, mm-hmm. you know, so there's, well, there, yeah, I mean, I think if I were setting up a program, it would have more than that, with the exception of UBI, which would probably not have any more than that. But yeah, if I were doing, you know, if I were in charge of government funds, it would be more than that one sentence. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying when you talk about when you talk about one sentence and it's not that one sentence, I think mm-hmm. it's missed the mark. Yes. And well, and beyond that, I actually think even we've talked about this, like the real privilege is just being happy. You know, there's somebody locked inside Ukraine right now that can't get out that is happy. And there's some billionaire tech mogul who's thinking about killing himself who, after he exited Ukraine, you know, and he's miserable. And you go, well, whose life do you want? And if you're smart and you've done reflecting, you want the happy guy, mm-hmm. you know, presuming that that uh, lasts over a period of time and isn't just this, you know, Right now, he is on heroin or something, so he feels really good about himself. Uh, let me see if I have anything else. Yeah, just just a quote, which because Naval Ravikant said this, which is, safe societies devalue their young males until the wolves are at the door. Uh, so that's what I got. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Not related to that at all, but I had an interesting conversation with somebody I'm close to that made me reflect. So basically, I'm Jewish. Someone close to me expressed concern for my safety because they had read that anti-Semitism is on the rise in the U.S. It's never been higher. And it made me think about the fear-stoking nature of journalism Mm -hmm. because certainly, even if that is the case, I'm not experiencing any anti-Semitism. I hang out with six people. (laughs) My girlfriend, you, your brother, Justin. You know what I mean? I was just like... Fuck you. <laughs> Charlie just goes on record <laughs> hating Jews. No, so, and so I did, but I dug into it because I was curious. I said, I, I wasn't under the impression that this is true. I don't feel unsafe. Maybe I'm wrong. So I looked at, up the information. I found some headlines from places that had done statistical research. 2021 had the highest level of anti-Semitic incidents in the U.S. since 1979. So that's a lot of anti-Semitism. It's most in 30 years or 40 years. More than 2,100 acts of assault, vandalism, and harassment. Seems like high number, thousands. The total Jewish population is 6 million Jews. Mm-hmm. When you do 2,000 acts of assault, vandalism, and harassment over a population of 6 million, it's not that many Jews. Mm-hmm. Uh, is anti-Semitism a bad thing? Absolutely. Some people are hateful and they suck. But I think we have a news machine that wants to make money, the number one thing that gets shared is things that enrage you. And so they make headlines like anti-Semitism on the rise, rampant, never been higher, Mm -hmm. so that you'll share them. But the actual number is not, it's not meaningful at all. And and it reminded me of another one that we did privately offer about trans violence from Time Magazine. Anti-trans violence and rhetoric reached record highs across America in 2021. Mm -hmm. 2021 was the deadliest year for transgender and gender non-conforming people in the U.S. on record. Those are the headlines. Crazy problem, transgender violence. At least 50 trans and gender nonconforming people were killed in 2021 alone. That's the, that's the quote from the article. Which is re- like... 50 trans and gender nonconforming people in 2021 alone, with an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. That's from Time Magazine. Okay, so 0.6% of the U.S. adults identify as trans. So that's roughly 20 million trans adults. 50 killed in a year out of 20 million is below the regular murder rate in the U.S., which is seven out of every 100,000 people. Mm -hmm. So just based on normal math, you'd expect 1,400 trans adults to be killed every year. Yeah, and maybe they misspoke and said as a result of their trans trans status. I don't know. I don't think so, because then in the article it says half of these people were actually misgendered at first. We didn't even know they were trans. We had the number at 25, and then we dug in further and we found out it's 50. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they were killed with a note that said this is because you're trans, because otherwise they wouldn't have been... They would have misgendered. Just, no, they would yeah. have just known they were trans. Yeah. Is it hard to be trans in the U.S.? I am so positive that it is. Are you more likely to be murdered in the U.S. if you're trans? Not based on the math I found. And maybe the figures not, I found no, well, are to wrong. Be clear, but, not based on the article that said this is a problem, raised the alarm. Well, maybe my murder rate is off. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. But I'm just saying the, the news is trying to make money off enraging you, basically, and off of making you scared. And... It's, it'll have headlines about how it's the worst year ever. But when you dig into the math, it's not at all. And I won't go into every news story, but there's tons of news stories that are like this. There was the, the wage gap math that was not, didn't take into account decisions that people make about what industry to enter. And there's uh, every major media story that involves the math. The math is pretty bad as I dug into it. And I won't go through all of them, but it just was a good reminder of like, yeah, don't, don't let the news make you scared with their bad math and their fake headlines well this is there's not a uh how stats can lie to you 101 that seems very important for people just not not for the news but for business for for all sorts of things to be able to hear a number and instantly say like for what i thought was well i'm my guess and a, a guess that i have is that hate crime reporting is also on the rise as a cultural awareness and uh 
upsetness with hate crimes increases. Well, that's my now. Now I go from having an opinion to having a genuine question. That's yeah. my question about like autism. Why? Yeah, is autism is on the rise and Asperger's is on the rise, and I actually don't know. Is that because of diet? Is that because of pollution? Is that because of something, or is that because we didn't know what this was a hundred years ago? We were and just so diagnosing in 1920, yeah. people just they were going. I don't know what's going on with this person. And now they go, oh, this person has autism. We understand it. It's something that we can uh, work with because of the progress we've made in identifying it and identifying how to help people who have it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if autism's on the rise or if they're just we're just better at identifying or what diagnoses. It is. Here's, yeah. and that's the truth is what we know is that the diagnoses are on the rise. And that's what I don't have an opinion on. I just recognize that, that could very well be the case mm-hmm. that it's because we're getting better at figuring out who yeah. has autism. I feel like this is just a constant. Uh, point of our podcast which is probably boring at some point to listen to which is just people think myself included we know way more than we do because we we have such uh we're told that we do we're, we're told that shallow knowledge uh is sufficient and that all you need to know is a headline or a thing and then that makes you an informed citizen somehow and i and oftentimes i find myself just saying i wish people circumscribed their uh their certainty and their area of understanding to things that they had high, actually higher percentage of knowing and then higher percentage of acting upon and improving. Yeah. Well, and I, I think two things are true. I think some groups get a worse experience than others in terms of how they are bullied or talked about by the people around them. But I also think everybody gets bullied and you only know what you were bullied for. And so yeah. then your personal experience biases you to think that that's like the thing that people get mm-hmm. treated the worst for. And so if you're overweight, you think that people in middle school are really mean to people who are overweight. And if you are a different skin color than everybody else, whether that's white and a majority black school or black and majority white school, yeah. you think that race is the thing people get bullied for. And if you're just a nerdy kid with acne and glasses and braces, then you think that's what... And so... Mm-hmm. Everybody gets treated shitty because some very small part of the population sucks and bullies people. Mm-hmm. And then you take that childhood stuff into your adulthood and you go, the, the world is specifically cruel to only this group because you didn't necessarily pick up all the other people around you that were also getting bullied for other stuff. Yeah. Does that make sense? 100%. And I do think some groups get it worse than others, but I notice that a lot in people. You, they but talk, what they, you're saying is you wouldn't know that if you just went to your own first person experience yes. and didn't say, wait a second, I'm going to be biased towards this. Like similarly, if you ask people what percentage of the chores they do in their household and you ask all the members, it will total far beyond 100% mm-hmm. because people are very aware of what they do and less aware of what other people are contributing. So in the same way, they're very aware of the suffering that they've that has been inflicted upon them and less aware of the suffering of others. Yeah, I had a friend who was very uh, out of shape and he was a smart kid who was in the nerdy group in elementary school. And then I had another friend who was one of the very few black people in our elementary school. And I'm sure both of them thought that the general populace was far meaner to them than to the other one. Mm -hmm. Like the black kid was very popular. He was the star athlete. And I think if you had asked my friend who was not in good shape and who was, you know, more on the nerdy side, he would have said, that guy's got a, he gets treated great by everybody. Mm -hmm. And I get the, I'm getting beat up and, and verbally bullied. And I think if you had asked my other friend, he would have said people here, when they are mean to me, it's about my race. People here, therefore, are racist. And it's like, I don't know which one of you is hearing more mean things per week, mm-hmm. but I know you both think it's you. Yeah. And based on what I saw, it's actually my out-of-shape nerdy friend who's getting physically bullied a lot more. And so I think it's, you know, then you just live your life, you become an adult, and you think that it's your thing is the thing people are mean about. Yeah, well, you, just, you just highlighted again what I now feel like I've said several times, what I think is either this week or in my life has been a theme, which is, what is your process for getting to the truth? And if your process for getting to the truth can be picked up, dropped into another circumstance, and lead to a completely different opinion, which is, oh, my process for getting to the truth is to look at my own firsthand experience and total the amount of mean things I feel like was said to me versus the amount of things I feel like was said to someone else. If you can imagine picking that process up, dropping it in the nerdy kid versus the black kid, and you get two different answers— your process isn't very good. <laughs> you know, you want something that has a bit that is going to point you in the same direction, whether you're born nerdy kid or black kid or in America or in Russia or. And so so that's the question of how how does one build that robust process for getting to the truth? Um, 
Yeah, and I think it's with deep self-reflection and checking your own biases and being very skeptical of things that you're told but can't confirm, which all the stuff that we kind of talk about. Very good. And did I have one more? Oh, yeah, I had one more. This is super, this is the most random thing I've ever Hooray. talked about, but I just found a YouTube video about this guy. You ever heard of Nikocado Avocado? Heard of. Do you know what mukbang is? Yeah. I literally hadn't heard of mukbang until yeah. I watched this video. It's a, it's a deep dive into this guy, Nikocado Avocado, and his life. And he went from a 150-pound vegan to a 350-pound non-vegan because his means of income is mukbang, which people don't know. I'm super mispronouncing this word for sure. But it's when you eat a ton of food while you live stream yourself and you talk to your audience. And he, that's how he decided to start making money. And so no then way. He, yeah, so then he dropped his vegan thing. And then he was gaining weight for a while but denying it. He's like, I'm probably still around the same weight and weighed himself when he's 200 pounds. And he said, I'm going to shut down the YouTube channel when I hit 300 pounds. Then he hit 300 pounds. He said, fuck it. Now I'm just going to go for 400 pounds. And it's... Uh, no. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of the recent article we were talking about that was about how the US culture pushes people towards things that make them unhappy. <laughs> you remember the article we were talking about? Yeah, yeah. And he basically just keeps chasing views and money while getting obviously physically unwell. But because his money is tied to it, he has said he thinks it's a genetic disorder. He thinks it's water weight. Some, he's going to go to a doctor soon because he's something's be going kidding. wrong. He's got to be kidding. I mean, he, he it's, it, you, you wouldn't want to be, if what he shows on camera is true, you wouldn't want to be this person. He, he cries, his boyfriend cries, boyfriend says, I've been miserable since I met you and I hate meeting you. And he says, I was going to say, this is someone I, who was deeply disturbed prior to this incentive structure being introduced into their life is my, is the only way that this could happen. Well, the big, so I was watching it. I was just fascinated. I was like, wow, it, it is crazy because I want to live forever to imagine somebody trading obviously years and years of their life away on the back end to make money. And then I thought, I wonder how I do this because anytime you see something that you think is crazy, there's a chance that you have it in you. And do we all do this to some degree? Like, can we all look at our lives and think about how we trade health or happiness for money? And that's what, that's what really stuck with me. I was like, where am I this 150 to 350 pound person in my own life. Yeah. Um, but it was just a crazy story to, to watch because it is very, uh, it's well captured. <laughs> He's got it on video, the wow. whole transformation of him uh, just basically killing himself for, mm -hmm. for the accumulation of wealth. And now he's wealthy and he could shut the channel down and doesn't, which is the other interesting thing. He's something is he that him. wealthy? I, I, you know, there's, there's wide uh, spans on YouTube. I watched, I don't want to cut this story off, but do you remember um, LAHWF no, laugh? He did yeah. uh, chatting with. Somebody did a video on him uh, and where he's at now. He recently took a job as an Amazon factory worker because he's broke. Wow. Yeah. And... He left that job, said it sucked, but he's going to like work at the movie theater nearby or something like that, which is crazy because he was... Why did... What happened? He was very successful with pranks, uh, early with pranks, and did his own sort of thing. Moved that to the chatting with. Views started to go down, and I think with his channel, there wasn't the... Subs there wasn't the sponsorship regularity because of some of the types of content, and there wasn't an associated product. Uh... And I guess there wasn't that core fan base. That That's was, fascinating because I thought he had cracked a new niche. I thought he was the king of a new solid niche, which was instead I of actually, talking to I celebrities. Saw, I didn't realize because I hadn't checked my Instagram in a while. Apparently, he, I would have gone on. I didn't mean to. He, he had messaged me two, three years ago when we were in Santa Monica. Oh, yeah. I just didn't, I didn't know to check any of that stuff. You want to go on now? Uh, I don't think it exists anymore. Yeah. Um, That's so strange. I really yeah. thought he had nailed that. He was the first person that instead of talking to celebrities was like, I'm going to talk with people a homeless person a heroin addict and, and we'll get like the real living take on this instead mm -hmm. of something we only see from afar you know ta someone talking to someone who is schizophrenic I, I thought he was gonna crush it yeah well we saw some of the views i was like damn like, smart like a regular person with an interesting title yeah uh in any event yeah there's there's huge there's youtubers that are not making a lot of money and there's youtubers that are making insane money selling their makeup kits or whatever, and there's everything in between. And the size of their audience or their biggest video is not a good tell yeah. into that. It's it's a, well, he bought a, multi a ballpark, yeah. Nick Avocado bought a multi-million dollar home, so I think he's doing okay. 
He's got a he's got Bro, a thing people make he... crazy financial decisions. Just so you know. Yeah, yeah. People make insane financial decisions that you would go that you would never make given their status. So that that actually doesn't tell you much. You've got the Ace family who I think is making tons of money, but is getting their home uh, I think like repossessed by the bank and they're embroiled in all these lawsuits. People make decisions that you would find yeah. insane with regards to finances. Yeah, I'm not a big debt guy. Yeah. So I'd consider myself a Nikocado avocado expert. Oh, really? Wow. I'm a huge fan of his channel. Oh, you? tell us. I think his thumbnails are irresistible. So do, I've never so heard of this guy. Tell me if I got anything wrong or if you have I an extra color. So he's extremely self-aware. I'm 100% positive of that. I think he knows he's killing himself, but there's not much he can do. I think he loves making money. Um, I think he's super about hustling. Um, I... He has like six channels because yeah. they frequently get demonetized. I think his um, CPM is probably god awful, <laughs> and I think nobody wants to sponsor him because he's such a liability. Mm. Um, he has like his own merch line. He has a Patreon, which he's really fucking great at selling. And um, he well, sells how is he great at selling it? Um, he just entices you. Like he he gives um certain tier bonuses that are like extremely. Um, extremely like exclusive like you can be like an exclusive producer and he has like a phone where you can text him whenever you want really i'm looking um, up his patreon right now also i didn't realize when you see, he's got a, a lot of views on these videos yep, i didn't realize does. two yeah. million plus views a video he's recently been blowing up because um a lot of kind of like h3 h3 oh and like his shirt says people. it's just water weight yeah and it's I, a yeah it's a yeah. joke his yeah shirt, I was, but, okay but he commits to it so hard that people click the videos and then you know, he's like screaming, like eating this insane amount of food, sometimes like throwing it around, acting like basically like a man child. Yeah. And so what do you like about it? Yeah. And they, <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, like a, like a train wreck. Well, that's what I was, is that, is yeah, that part of the thing. draw? Is, it's not for the food. It's for, in, in like a morbid way. Yeah. It's for watching oh him kill God, himself. Just, and make himself so do like you, to, is it watching someone destroy their life that is, like basically like yeah. I just think it's fascinating oh like my gosh. The, the pull of like I think he mentioned once he grew up kind of low income like he was adopted from Ukraine yeah. um so I don't know what his like childhood was like but I imagine not good Got um, it. <clears throat> but yeah to me it's just really interesting and also he makes he makes like hour I think like hour-long videos mm -hmm. right and there have been like quite a few times where I've watched it like the entire hour through and he rarely cuts. So to me, it's just like the talent of being able to, to capture somebody for an hour with no cuts is like, mm -hmm. anyways, that's impressive. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I just saw one of his recent videos yeah. on channel three is I had a heart attack last night. So it's very clear. Yeah. His titles are what he's selling. Insane. Yeah. Well, my, and my thing, which if I were, you know, uh, someone who knew him and, was a loved one of his would be you like this deal you don't have to make this deal anymore this is a bad deal the the amount of health i like to think doing. that he has a date in mind where he goes bro <laughs> i shut the channel down i get a peloton well, he said it he said I, like if i i'm never gonna hit 300 and if i do and then he's done the math on the channel where he goes okay based on to get back to my old weight i'd have to diet at an extreme fashion and, and do a, a lot of exercise for two years and then i could get back to my weight and he's just, he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. Wow. It's just fascinating. It's like, yeah, at some point, make other content, make, make different, make your weight loss content. Yeah. You know, it's a, uh, and that everybody can do whatever they want, but I just thought it was interesting how uh, obvious and I mean, I'm looking at non-disputable it is. I see what you're it, talking about, Justin. It's, it's yeah. killing him. He knows what he's doing. He's like the master of like trashy YouTube content. Yes, it appears to be so. It's kind of like jackass. It's like, I'm going to, hurt myself because people watch and I'm going to be crazy and extreme because that's what people want. So if I got to do it, go to the hospital, I'll do it. Yeah. Depending on the stunts, I would also tell someone who is doing that <laughs> to not do that. You know, if you're going to do one that's, that's like cheeky funny, like we're going to get a bear on a chain that's not going to be able to reach you, but it'll seem like it almost can. It'll freak you out. Sure. Do that. But I wouldn't, if you're going to do one where they launch you head first into stuff and you get concussions for money, I'd say this isn't worth it. Yeah. Like, especially after a certain point, if you're saying I'm completely destitute, money is the number one thing that causes me stress and sadness in life. And I'm going to do I this until I have a hundred grand. I go, okay, maybe that's not bad math. But it's like, you have millions of dollars, a big audience, just pivot to anything that's not actively killing you. Sure. Uh, 
you asked where people are doing it. I do think it's with regards to stress. Now, some people need to because the speed at which they will die if they stop making money is faster than the speed at which the stress is going to kill them. But certainly for many people above a certain wealth threshold, it's the amount of stress that they introduce into their lives via work compared to the marginal utility of each dollar that that extra stress earns them is is that decision on a smaller scale. Yeah, no, that's where I landed too. And if you're, if, you're, <laughs> if you're a parent who's working two jobs to support a family and you are pulling together 40 grand, that's, this isn't you. Mm-hmm. It's the person that's a partner at a law firm mm-hmm. that is 40 and just had their first heart attack. Or, or maybe hasn't, but is like No, I, this stressed. is not, this is a literal person. Okay. <laughs> this, isn't a, this isn't a fake person. Had a heart attack, I think it was at 42 with a net worth of eight figures, maybe that was only quote unquote $10 million and future earnings of tens of millions of dollars. I go, dude, retire. Yeah. You have 10 mil. I get, you're going to earn another 20 mil. Yeah. You just had a heart attack. You're 42. Stop. (laughs) It's not like the, the, the math is no longer good. This isn't a good deal anymore. This, that's a real person and there are real people out there like it. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I thought as well is, is it. It's not health in the obvious way of I gone for 150 pounds to 350, but it is that stress. I think that that's anything that takes you out of blue zone living, which is like, you know, oh, I don't have the time to eat well, even though I have the money to do it or I don't have the, yeah, all that stuff. Uh, What else you got? Is that it? That's it. Cool. Let's do some questions. Nikocado Avocado asks. (laughs) (laughs) Would you guys talk to him if he came on the pod? I don't really know what, what I'd ask. I, I, I would, I would talk to him. Justin, Justin would <laughs> I would to talk him. to him for an hour. <laughs> I would talk to him. I have questions. I do have questions. Why I just do, don't know anything Why do you still do this? Yeah, the chances of him coming on are, you know, extremely slim. Yeah, yeah, and also answering that question, I honestly. would love to try my hardest. No, yeah. I mean, it's, that's bad math for him. Any yeah. video he makes gets 3 million views. Come here and yeah. come on the Charlie and Ben podcast. Bad math for him, but... It's a different side of YouTube that I'm... Just not, I don't see any of this stuff. No, I it's was crazy. It's, I have, there's a guy who I does. I know, the guy who does the YouTube breakdowns and sometimes I watch his and yeah. he shared the Charisma on Command channel. So that's why. Yeah, yeah, it was the same guy that talked about what happened to College Humor. Which, which I, I watched. Which I don't know, if, did we talk about that on the channel? No. Well, it was that, it's that guy. He makes really good videos actually. Yeah. Trying Sunny, to find Sunny, I think it's called. Sunny V2, yeah. yeah. Sunny V2? I think that's his name. Yep. I get his Sounds videos right. as well. Yeah. Cool. Let's do it. All right. First one is, is it, a, is it a necessity for couples to find each other physically attractive? Obviously, not everyone will end up with a person they find to be a solid 10, but it seems less than ideal to be in a relationship and not be physically attracted to your partner. Could this hurt the relationship in the long run and possibly lead to a higher probability of cheating or other problems in the future? Is it a necessity? No. You like, And I don't know. I would have no right to say that it is uh, for everybody. Seems like a thing that you'd want, though. It seems like if uh, one of the defining features of most relationships is their sexual exclusivity, that one thing that you would want is to have sex with that person be an attractive and appealing prospect in your mind, given that is, if you're being honest and faithful, the only person that you will be doing that with. And it's an important part of being a human, I think, for many people, so... Yeah, I do, but I do think that people have different tastes. And I oh, also yeah. think that your, how much abundance or scarcity you have in terms of options with romantic partners will make, like if you have no options, then anyone that is interested in you will be genuinely attractive to you. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if you're in a relationship and you don't see the person as attractive, that's one thing. But I do think often people will be like, oh, how could they be, how could that person be attracted to that person? It could be very real, even though that yeah, person's yeah. not your type. Based on this person's taste and other options, that this person could be extremely attracted to their partner, even mm-hmm. though you find that hard to believe. So yeah, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't presume to know that somebody was with someone for something other than their looks, because I think you'd be surprised yeah. <laughs> at what people find genuinely attractive. Mm-hmm. All right, last one I have is I've been battling lately with suicidal thoughts. And through this process, I've been able to see suicide from different points of view, and somehow, some way, I end up justifying my ideas. My most recent conflict has been with the legality of suicide. From anecdotal experience, people can can get locked up in psychiatric facilities for trying to take their own life. This, to me, seems immoral. We are teaching people that life itself is not a choice. You are born into it by no choice of our own, and deciding to end it is also not our choice. 
What ideology or perspective could you both offer to motivate someone to live life by their own choice? Number one, this is not my area of expertise. If you're having these thoughts, it is incumbent upon me to say suicide hotline, reach out for someone that isn't me because I, I don't have a ton of suicide background or help or anything. That said, I'll try to take your question at face value. I think it is definitely immoral that we stop people from checking out of life when they feel, especially in those at the end of life, Dr. Kevorkian style. I think that's like so tragic that we hang on to the last remnants of life. Now, if it were up to me and I were steering this, I would have a bureaucratic process by which someone was legally cleared to do it in order to prevent, because this is what the law is for, to prevent suffering, not of that person, but of the harm that it does to those around them, which I think is uh, real. Well, and also I think there are people who have suicidal thoughts, something changes, they get past that, and they're very grateful that they were not greenlit Mm -hmm. to kill themselves. And so certainly if you had someone, if you had a teenager come into that bureaucratic court and say, you know, I'm, I want to kill myself for X, Y, Z reasons, you would start them with cognitive behavior therapy or parts therapy or something, you know, uh, a framework and support network to help them. uh, I don't know if the term is overcome or get past or release those thoughts, but it's, uh, it's certainly the case that not everyone that contemplates suicide uh, there's lots of people who are happy they didn't do it. And so you wouldn't want to just say, oh yeah, if you ha- as soon as you feel like doing this, you should. Like that's not the policy we would want. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, yeah, what would I say to someone? I actually don't know that you can, or it's even effective to try to talk someone into like what's good about life. Um, I think it needs to be experienced. And that that would sort of be like, what is, I, I try to talk to them and find out like what, what they're not feeling that would make them want to continue to live. And I wouldn't tell them, I I would say, yeah, you can get this. And I believe that that's almost definitely the case uh, for you. I would, I would try to show them that they could get that. And often I think what's missing is probably like relief from uh, difficult thoughts of deeper feeling of connection. Uh, There's a lot, there's a lot of things that, that could go onto that list. I can say that there was a, I've never been anywhere near suicidal, but there were points where like I was in a breakup or extremely ill. And I thought if every day was today, I could get it. I could get it, but I can do this for a month or six months or, or something. But I I did have the thought of like, oh my God, if every day sucked this hard. Yeah, this would not, this would not be a ride that I wanted to be on anymore. Um, What do you think? About. What would you say? What would you to someone who to this is, person? It have, sounds like. So yeah, this isn't my expertise. What would I say? I, I what I would what I say is there's a lot of people who have been in your position who haven't done it and are extremely glad they didn't. And I know it feels like this will never get better and this will never pass, but that's not the case. And that's very hard, I'm sure, for you to believe. But there just is a lot of data around people who have felt this way at a period and then don't feel this way. So I would suggest that you find people who can help you and support you. And that's family, but that's also therapists. That's suicide hotline. That's, I would be strongly encouraging you to go to external resources for support. I think unfortunately, one of the most dangerous things about depression and about being suicidal is that you can know like the quote unquote right thing to do, but you don't feel like doing it. So that, you know, it's the depressed person who is in bed and knows that they'll feel better if they get out of bed, but they just don't do it anyway. So it's very, it's tough to motivate yourself to do it. But I would say, yeah, go finding, go find resources that can help you and support you and loved ones in your life that can support you or people on suicide hotline who are there purposefully to support you. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what I would suggest because I think even if it is hard for you to believe the time, you will get past this and be extremely grateful that you didn't do it. I believe that. I really, I, I believe that. I'm not an expert in the field, but yeah, that's my, I believe that, that you will, you will look back and be thankful. I believe that. So please don't do it. If you're feeling like you want to, suicide hotline, reach out and get help from a professional.
Okay. Right, that's it. All right. That's it. Somber note. Yeah. On to Patreon. Yeah. Patreon. If you guys want to join our Patreon, keeps us going. I know our ad revenue is quite down these months. I haven't checked, but our some of our big clips are not are not doing it. So Justin might have to like be doing mukbangs soon. We don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, Justin, how's the OnlyFans coming? <laughs> Keep them on Patreon, guys. Yet. Keep them on Patreon. Yeah, for people who don't know, all the Patreon money goes to Justin. Justin all the is money. our producer. All the money goes yeah, to Yeah, all the Justin. ad revenue, all the podcast money yeah. goes to Justin. Justin's our producer. It helps him to continue to do this job and make the show happen. So without Justin, we would have to stop publishing podcasts. So please, if you like the podcast and you have some... Uh, money to spare. Send it to Justin via Patreon. Yeah. Uh, what are we talking about today? Yeah. What are our questions today, Justin? Uh, today, we're going to talk about the type of person who's good at analyzing the past and the future, but is bad at being present, um, deriving too much work or deriving too much worth, self-worth from their work. And then we're going to talk about the zombie apocalypse level homelessness in the US. All right. Very good. If you guys want to check that out, join us at Patreon. Keeps us going. Hope to see you there. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.